Hallelujah. Amen. You know, it's good to give our life to Jesus. It's good to give our lives to God. When you give your life to God, what you're simply saying is that you're, you're dedicating yourself. You know, I used to say, you know, well, we don't give our life to God. I remember those years. But it is true that we cannot give our life to Jesus, but we can give our lives to God. Amen. We cannot give our life to God. You know, someone say, well, if you want to give your life to Jesus, come out. That statement is actually not a Bible statement. There is never anywhere in the Bible indeed where anyone gave their life to Jesus. When, the, when they pray in the book of Acts, nobody ever introduces Jesus and say, hey, the apostles, none of them ever said, if you want to give your life to him, we cannot give our life to him in context. We cannot give our life to him. Why? Because we were dead. So we had no life to give. But he gave his life to us. So he's the one who gave us his life. Remember what he said? He said, he said the Bible said, what manner of love is this that a, a man will lay down his life for his friends? He said, I have come that you might have life. He's the giver of life. We are not the giver of life. He's the giver of life. We were dead. Are you going to trying to say? That statement is valid. That we cannot give our life. L-I-F-E to him. But you can dedicate your lives to him. Am I communicating to you here? The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. So what you're doing when you reciprocate by giving him your lives, L-I-V-E-S, we're talking about your, uh, your thinking, your going out, your coming in, your think, your, your you know, personality, how you think, your finance, your work, you're giving it to him, that is dedication. And there is a reward for that. Are you going to try to say here? Yeah. Amen. But you see, when you see missionaries who go, who say, no, they are leaving their, their, their comfort zone, they are going to a territory where nobody even knows them to, to preach Jesus, they have sold, that's why we hear the word sold out for Jesus. Amen. When you hear people say they have sold out for Jesus, they have given their lives. They've dedicated themselves to Jesus. So it's good. It's not out of line to dedicate our lives to God. Are you going to try to say? But in context, we don't give him our life. Are you going to try to say? At the altar or at the presentation when people receive Jesus, it is not life that are given. They are receiving life. Are you going to try to say? So when, when people come to Jesus, they come to receive life. Because they are dead. The Bible says we were dead in sins and trespasses. He quickened us. That's the concept of revival. Amen. I was meditating on that even while I was coming. When people say, well, you know, you see people pray. Let us pray for revival. Sometimes you see different people. And, you know, I remember those days when I was on, when I was pastoring a campus church in Nigeria around 2005 down to 2009. You know, no, 2005 to 2007, 8, thereabout. You know, people on campuses, you see people praying, you know, small, small groups. People praying, oh, we pray for a revival. We pray for a revival. And I told one of them, one of the brothers, you know, I, I also desire revival, okay? And I said, okay, okay, what exactly, so I asked him, what exactly is the revival you're expecting? Okay, because sometimes, even when you pray, I'm already entering my message, small, small. Amen. Sometimes when you pray, at least you should have an expectation in your mind. 
Okay? Are we together? When you're praying for healing, you should have an expectation that, okay, this, I have a leg pain, so I expect that this pain will disappear. Okay? So, so when you're praying for revival, what is your expectation indeed? What are you expecting? Because if you don't have, you know, an expectation, and you know, it's funny because what people, what people saw as revival, what people saw as revival is, you know, what many saw as revival are things like, um, you know, blind are seen, lame are walking, you know, there is billboard, there is pictures, you know, that people are putting their picture on billboard and all those things. Those are not revival. Amen. That's a program. How you going to try to say it? Yeah. That's a program. That's actually, a, you know, that's a crusade, you know. A program, a crusade, a crusade program. Revival is, is uh, intrinsic. Revival is intrinsic. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, okay, for example, when you, when you say you want to revive something, it means that that thing is probably dead, isn't it? So, so, so you're bringing it back to life. It's simple. The word revive means to bring something back to life. Or it's dead and now you're giving it life. That's what it means to revive, isn't it? Simple. So there's no big explanation to it. So when the Bible says we were dead in trespasses, we were dead in sins. The Bible said death reigned upon all men. So when you come to somebody and you tell the person about Jesus and the person receives Jesus or receives the truth of God's word, what has the person been done? What has just the person happened? What has happened to the person? The person has been revived. That's revival. Amen. It's as simple as that. It's not the jamboree or the, you know, the display of where blind are seeing, lame are walking. Blind can see and lame can walk and yet we have not seen revival. Are you getting trying to say yeah? Revival is simple. Is when people receive Jesus. There's an awakening. There's a, you know, there is a, you know, uh, you know, an awakening in their spirit. That's what it means to be revived. So when you meet somebody and you tell the person about Jesus and the person receives Jesus, you are now so, you are an agent of God's revival. Are you going to try to say, you are an agent of what? Of God's revival. Say, I'm an agent of God's revival. So, you are an agent. You are an agent. So, anywhere you go. Say, for example, you give a tract, or you talk about Jesus, or you sing about Jesus, and somebody receives Jesus, you are just, you've just dispensed revival. Because you that you are dispensing revival, you must be revived before you can dispense revival. So you, that means you have been revived. So you are the move of God. So you are God moving. So when you meet somebody, it's God moving. Are you getting what I'm trying to say here? So get that. Get that. You are an agent of revival. Hallelujah. So we, we're, still, we're still looking at prayers. And, but today we're looking at, um, we are combining several things together. But still under prayers. Amen. Still under prayers. And um, we just want to touch a few things as the Lord will allow us. Let us start from James. Okay. Let us start from mm, 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 mm. yeah, James. Let's do James 4 first before we go to James 5. Let's do James and chapter 4. Let's see. You see, prayer, we've been looking at prayer for a while now. We've been looking at prayer for a while. And I will tell, okay, James 4, so that will help us. So we're going to read from verse 8. 
But before we read, let me just say one or two things. So, concerning prayers, we must pray. We must pray. We must not pray because it's emergency. You don't pray because there's a problem. You pray whether there is a problem or not. You pray. A believer prays. That is the only way. See, prayer. Amen. Prayer is the fruit of righteousness. Prayer is an expression of righteousness. Prayer. We've been looking at this for the past four weeks, isn't it? Is it four weeks now? Prayer is an expression of God's righteousness. You know, when you say that I am the righteousness of God, indeed you are. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, is that God has made him to be seen for us who knew no sin, so that we might be made the righteousness of God. We are the righteousness of God. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, he said, the Bible said, God has made him to us to be righteousness. So we are righteous. Say, I'm the righteousness of God. I can't hear you. Say, I am the righteousness of God. I'm laying the foundation because, you know, for some of us, you know, just to reiterate that into our consciousness, that you are the righteousness of God. So that we can know that you are righteous. Amen. Say, I'm the righteousness of God. So, righteousness means to stand before God without any sense of guilt and condemnation. So, when you say, I am righteous, it means that you are before God without any sense of guilt consciousness. You don't feel guilty. You feel that, yeah, I deserve to be. Now, you feel like I deserve to be here. Or better still, I am worthy to be here. Now, of course, your worthiness is not based on your works. You're worthy because of what Jesus has done. So, you are worthy to be here, to be in God's presence, or to talk to God because of what Jesus did on the cross. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? That is righteousness. It means you are worthy. You know, people try to make some humble statement where don't say we are worthy. Do you think I'm worthy? None of us is worthy. None of us is righteous. You are worthy. Amen. You are worthy, Lord. No, you are worthy. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, just to make it sound well, you know, because when you say you are the righteousness of God, that even sounds, sound spiritual. Like too heavy. So when you say, I am saying that you are worthy. Ah. Me, worthy. I'm not worthy. You don't know what I've done. I've done plenty, plenty bad things. Even yesterday, I did bad things. I thought bad things. You know what I'm trying to say here? Now, so you, you already, you already, you already placing your, your worthiness based on what you did or what you did not do. But we are worthy. So I'm using that, in, I'm replacing that with righteousness. You are worthy because of what Jesus has done on the cross. So, the blood of Jesus made you worthy. So, worthy to do what? Worthy to stand in God's presence. And as you stand in God's presence, then, when I'm talking about God's presence, I'm not even talking about this building, this Agmashele Belly Love Dominion building, because this is not, this is not God's presence. But it is what well, we are in God's presence. This is God's presence because we are gathered here. But in the real sense of it, this building, when you leave this place, it is not God's presence. Am I communicating to you here? Yeah. Except two of us walks in 
or one person walks in, then it becomes the presence of God. So what makes it the presence of God is not the building or the, you know, you know, the stage, the way it's organized, that better organized stage than this. And they do kind of things there. Are you what I'm trying to say? Yeah? And better instrument, you know, than these and all these things. And they do kind of things there. But what makes it the presence of God is because of you and I, because of believers. So when we come in the name of Jesus, that's what makes it the presence of God. Are you getting what I'm trying to say here? So the Bible says, where two or three people are gathered in my name, I'm there in their midst. So as we have gathered, as we have gathered today, God is in us. God is with us. He's moving through us. He's here in our midst. He's walking and he's not spectating. Okay. He's not just there, you know, just looking at you. Amen. He's there serving you. And so you are in the presence of God. You are worthy to be in God's presence. Hallelujah. And the blood of Jesus made you so. Am I communicating to us here? So that's what it means. We always say you are righteous. And I'm saying this number one. What proofs? Prayer. Prayer is a proof. Is a proof. Is an expression of righteousness. Am I communicating to us here? Say this to me. Say prayer. prayer. I can't hear. Say prayer. prayer. Is an expression of righteousness. You know what I mean by it's an expression of righteousness? For example, just imagine that you want to pray now. You go on your knees. Father, or, or before you even go on your knees. So you just said, oh, I am the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. And now you're about to go on your knees and the devil brings to your mind what you did two years ago. Okay? Or what you did. You know, some minutes ago. Or what, and sometimes, you know, some of you are even praying. As you go on your knees to pray, you remember that, oh, you cook jollof rice. Or you cook beans and fried dodo. It's inside the fridge. Oh, and I told us this sometimes. Some of you, you come to, you come to church and you leave your roommate at home. And you, you, you are, why are you about to pray? That's when the devil begins to bring the things that you left at home undone. So you begin to, ah, what if he goes to the kitchen? What if he eats this thing? And your mind becomes busy. Are you going to try to say? Your mind busy. And if you, oh, my prayer. Oh, no, no, Father, forgive me. <laughs> no, 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 no. See, this is it. Even when fried rice and dodo and all those things, you know, inter- are interfering with your approach in prayer, okay? What guarantees your right to pray is the blood of Jesus. So what you need to do is to switch. We are still going back there though anyway. But what I'm saying is this. Even though you just confess you are the righteousness of God, sometimes the devil brings some things to interfere with your prayer. Some of you feel, oh, no. <gasps> ah, I don't think I should pray. Ah, ah, no. And, and, you know, the devil is the business of bringing people out of that prayer, you know, atmosphere. You feel, you feel me? Ah, me? I don't deserve to pray. So you feel condemned. So what you have done is that you have not produced the fruit of the righteousness you've confessed. Righteousness is demonstrated when you proceed further in prayers. Are you going to try to say, a man that prays understood righteousness. That's what I'm saying. Experientially. Experientially, a man who prays understands righteousness. Because when you're praying, okay, it means you believe you, you deserve to, to, to be heard. You have a father and you can interact and fellowship with him. So what you are doing is that you are, you are proving that you are the righteousness of God. Are you getting what I'm trying to say here? So prayer is a fruit of righteousness. That's what I'm saying to some of us. So many people knew 
You know, let me say new generation or not new creation, new generation people. They say, I'm the righteous of God, but you don't pray. But you now see some old folks who don't even know some deep revelation stuff, like, oh, I'm the righteous of God. In fact, they will tell you that, oh, you know, you, you have to, you know, if you don't wear, if you wear your ring, you know, you, you will make heaven. And all those things. If you, if you wear jeans or trousers, you make heaven. And you see them praying, pray, they are experientially proving righteousness. Are you going to pray and say, yeah? But you have so much depth of revelation, but you are not proving righteousness. You prove righteousness in prayer. You prove righteousness in your work of faith, generally. Are you going to pray and say, you prove what? Righteousness in your work of faith. So, for example, when you go to preach the gospel to somebody, some of you say, well, I don't think I deserve to preach the gospel. Who told you you don't deserve to preach the gospel? Who told you? Are you going to try to say, that is condemnation. The devil is telling you an information contrary to what God has told you. Righteousness will make you experientially to do the work of faith. Are you going to try to say, yeah. When you're preaching the gospel, you are, you are doing what? You are displaying righteousness. Hallelujah. Prayer is the mitochondria of a Christian living. So in other words, so for example, when you say, you see, if a cell, if the mitochondria of a cell, okay, mitochondria is one of the, yeah, mitochondria is one of the vacuoles, okay, in a cell. Just to help us, okay. Amen. Are we together, everybody? Okay, just to help us well. So mitochondria, okay, for those who are not science students here. Thank you. <laughs> so mitochondria is, is one of the, uh, so your, our body, okay, if you bring it down to the smallest unit, we have the cell. Okay, the cell is the smallest unit of our body. So cells coming together makes tissues. Okay, when tissues come together, they make organs. When organs come together, for example, you have different organs in your body. So when organs come together, they make the system. So we have different systems in our body. The nervous system, the digestive system, all kinds of systems. When those systems come together, they make their body. Okay? That is medicine in two seconds. <laughs> if you can know this, you understand medicine. I don't know. Don't say this outside, though. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't say this outside. <laughs> I did not say it. But really, it's basic. It's basic and it's enough for you to even start. Hallelujah. So what we are saying is that cell, that smallest unit cell, as, you know, is, a, is, you know, is, 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 is a compact. It has membrane, okay? Just to help out because it's not a science class. Now, mitochondria is part of the uh, smaller, you know, circular. Let me just do in simple English. So mitochondria is inside that cell. Okay. So every part of your body has a cell. So for example, your digestive system has a cell. Your cheek has a cell. Your brain, there are brain cells. So when brain cells, when they die, the person, you know, start experiencing certain nervous breakdown. Okay. Or some deficiencies or some, some impairment. Are we together here? Now, just to, so that you don't get bored because that's not what we're doing here. Now, when mitochondria is the one who supplies energy to the cell. And if mitochondria is affected, the cell dies. 
And if the cell dies, then the tissue dies. And when the tissue dies, the organ is dead. Then the system is dying. Then the entire body dies. Are you getting what I'm trying to say here? So the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. So that's why, for example, if you don't take enough, if you don't take enough glucose, okay, or you are, um, you are hypoxic, you are, you don't, if you don't take enough glucose, because the, the mitochondria needs your glucose and some other food, okay, some other nutrient to develop ATP, oh, to develop energy. energy. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, so, your mitochondria needs, requires food to develop energy. So the mitochondria take your food and convert it to energy that your cell needs so that you can function well. So generally, prayer is the mitochondria of a Christian. When you don't pray, if you don't pray, you begin to die. You begin to die. There is no, there is no two way about it. I'm talking about as a Christian. I'm not literally talking about I'm not talking about physical dying, but I'm talking about death. You begin to experience all kinds of you know deaths in your life. Are you what I'm trying to say? In your ministry, as as a believer, you begin to experience that, and that's why a lot of people begin to backslide. But when you pray, you begin to you receive energy, you receive strength in the place of prayer. Are we together here? You see, strength in prayer, prayer. So, prayer is essential for everyone. So, when you see people praying, if you are praying as a believer, it doesn't mean you are a pastor. No. It means you are a believer. Believers pray. The Bible says men ought always to pray and not to faint. So, we must learn to pray. Hallelujah. Are we together here? We must learn to pray. When you're going out, see. When you're going out, you pray. When you're coming in, you pray. When you're walking, when you're driving, you pray. Paul said, I thank God I pray in tongues more than all of you. Look at it. First Corinthians. Let's go there. Oh Lord, help me. First Corinthians chapter 14. We're supposed to read which book earlier? We'll go back there now. We must go back there now because we're supposed to start from there. Let's read verse 18. Look at what Paul said. Paul said, I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than all of you all. So, just imagine that kind of statement. Imagine one, you see, let me read Amplified Version for you. Amplified Version, it says, I thank God, I speak in unknown tongues more than all of you. There's a version that says all of you put together. Which one is that? Anybody, anybody has that together? Yeah. Okay, Amplified Version classic edition. He says, I thank God, I speak with with all of you individually and all of you put together. That's a shame on the church. That is why Paul said, you are kana. He told them, remember, and these guys even understand tongues. He just imagine that I come to you now and I say, I thank God, I speak in tongues more than all of you put together. This is love dominion assembly. But now you are now looking at the entire Corinthian church. Corinthians is like saying that you are looking at the entire church in Tbilisi, and say, I thank God I speak with tongues more than all of you. It's a shame on them there. That's, an, that's embarrassing. It means that Paul, when he's going to the toilet, when, when, when he's walking on the road, he's talking in tongues. Are you I'm trying to say? He does not necessarily need to talk in tongues like, okay, everybody, no, he's talking in tongues. That means he's talking in tongues. When he's studying, he's talking in tongues. When he's, he's talking, 
I, I remember there was one time, I, that, those period of Jesus is Lord. I mean, you talk in tongues, and, and have you, how many of you talk in tongues? You talk in tongues into your dream, you talk in tongues in your dream, you come out of, you come out again. You're talking, how many of you experienced it before? Eh, yes, it's a good one. It's a good experience. You talk in tongues, talk in tongues, you sleep, you, all of you that used to have bad dreams. Okay, you have not talked in tongues. You have not prayed. You say, ah, they used to press you in the night. They are pressed. You have not talked in tongues. You pray in the Holy Ghost and enter into your dream with the Holy Ghost. You come out with the Holy Ghost and now say they will press you. Who wants to press you? You, you cannot see a fly on earth plate. You understand what they say? It's not possible. You cannot see a fly on earth plate. But it's simple. When you don't pray, you begin to die. Then all kinds of disrespect will begin to come into your life. Disrespectful things. You just begin to come anyhow. But you must learn to pray. Hallelujah. Let's go to James. I just went. Let's go to James now. Okay. James what? James 1. Look at James 1 8. It says, Draw nigh to God. Amen. Draw nigh to God and, and what? He will draw nigh to you. James and chapter 4, verse 8. He said, Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hand, you sinners, purify your heart, you double-minded. Now. This is from verse 7. No, we were supposed to read from verse 6. He said, but it gives more grace. Wherefore, say it, God receives the proud and gives grace to the humble. Verse 7 says what? Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Receive the devil and he will flee from you. So it's a sequence. He says, submit yourself, therefore, to God. So when you submit yourself to God, he said, you will be able to resist the devil. When you resist the devil... It will flee from you. You cannot resist without submission first. So you submit yourself to God. You resist the devil and it will flee. Then the next verse now says, draw nigh to him and he will draw nigh to you. It's simple. So what do we mean by drawing nigh? And that's what we're looking at, you know, you know that's some of the things because you need, because when, you are, when we're talking about prayer, prayer is an approach. So you're approaching God. To communicate. So that means there's a drawing of there's a drawing near. Nearer. How you gonna try to say? So he's saying that as you're drawing nearer, what you are doing when you draw near is that you are submitting yourself to God. Then after you have drawn near, it will be easy for you to resist the devil. Then when you resist it, then we will flee. Are you getting the sequence? You do you don't just wake up in the morning or wake up anytime and begin to resist the devil. When Technically, you have not drawn nigh. Am I communicating to you here? There's a drawing nigh. See, I, 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 this is a message to some of us this morning. You see, you cannot, I, I don't understand the rationale. That's why I said something earlier about that prayer will also help you anyway. Prayer will help you. Okay? I don't understand the rationale of a man who is living in iniquity. For example, I, I, for, let me let me help us a little bit because we are we are going to another stage in this teaching. I don't understand why someone can lie. So, for example, you use your mouth to lie. Okay, consistently, you practice lying. You are a chronic liar. Hallelujah! Like you, your mouth, your mouth is configured to lie. You just lie anytime. You enjoy lying. Okay, when when people talk, when people talk to you, even when you know you know the truth, you just desire to just lie. Okay, that lying, you just like it. Now, when you lie, I don't understand the rationale of a of a trained lie leap to now 
to now speak faith. It does not make any sense. I mean, rationally, am I communicating to God? It does not make any sense. For, so, because I, I told us this before, and, and, and I'm going to say this again, because for you know, for the sake of many of us, have not heard me say this before. I, when I was when I was growing up in faith, okay, and I'm still growing by God's grace. I don't understand too the rationale of cutting cake in the name of Jesus. Now, and the reason for me, the reason is simple because, you know, from study, because I haven't studied the, I haven't studied the scriptures, I, I, I've seen the application of God's name. I mean, the name of Jesus. I've seen the power in the name of Jesus. So I didn't understand the rationale of saying, say J, J, say E, E, say E, S, say U, U, say E, J, E, S, Jesus. I, so I didn't understand the rationale. Oh, okay, till now, I also don't understand the rationale of, okay, I oh I cover my car with the blood of Jesus. I cover. My, I still don't understand the rationale. Okay, the, the reason why, why I say I don't rather that because I'm, I'm a, I haven't studied scripture. I understand that certain practices that we get from you know being part of you know teachings of certain environment. But when you look at the scripture generally, you see that for example the application of the blood. It was never to cover speaker, cover windscreen. You know, if, if, if so, for example, if you, if you cover your car, amen, I'm not communicating to what I'm saying. If you, if you cover your car, for example, with the blood of Jesus, okay? You know, I mean, literally, I mean, praise God. But, but of course, let's just, let's, let's just, amen. Amen. So there is an, just for the sake of understanding, there is an application of the blood. It's in the scriptures, okay? The blood can be applied. There's a way the blood is applied. So now, of course, there's a way to plead the blood of Jesus. You don't bleed, you know, I, remember I, I thought when I was growing up, I thought, when I said, I plead, I bleed, I used to bleed the blood of Jesus. I bleed the blood of Jesus. We are not bleeding the blood of Jesus. You are pleading the blood of Jesus. Amen. Are we together? Some of us might have been saying you are bleeding the blood of Jesus. You cannot bleed it. You are pleading the blood of Jesus. The word pleading is a legal statement. So when you say, you go to court, I come to plead a case. I'm like, okay, sorry, I'm saying too many things. But I'm still going to arrive at where I started from. Help me, please, everyone. Just follow me. So, for example, when you say you plead, so you, when you go to court and say, court, defendant, they say, I come to plead the case. Okay? Or this case. So, when you plead the blood of Jesus, is a legal statement. And that legal statement is on the fact that what Jesus has done as, is on the fact of what Jesus has ratified in his blood. So for example, what Jesus did, through his blood, we receive forgiveness. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Okay? So that is where the blood was applied. The blood is applied in the forgiveness of sin. So through the blood, we see, so for example, the Bible said the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel. So that is so, it's a legal statement. So the death of Jesus Help me, Lord. The death of Jesus makes sure that this forgiveness, the at point of the Spirit, it becomes divinely legal. So when you say, I plead. So for example, when I come now, let's say, um, um, hey, I'm trying to find a case. So let's say you are sick in your body now. I say, I plead. The blood of Jesus. What you are trying to say is that I claim my healing. It's legal. So I plead. What I'm bringing the blood of Jesus as a plead. As my, as my witness. To get this. So I'm not my, so that's a valid statement. There's a way to apply the blood. Okay. But there's also a way. What was I saying earlier about uh, 
No, before them, before the blood. I was saying something. Yeah, crowing liar. So, the logic of lying, amen, and also confessing or speaking faith. I mean, uh, uh, no, no. So, it's possible, amen, are we together? It's possible to confess faith, but, but this is the problem I have, okay? Except to confess the world the more, to be able to nullify your negative statements. You practice, so you must learn to train your mouth to speak truth always. It will help you. So I was saying about J-E-S-U-S. That when people say Jesus' name, the reason why for J-E-S-U-S for me is because, <laughs> amen. I have used the name of Jesus against demonic attacks. And I know that <laughs> this thing is sacred and heavy. Are you going to try to say yeah? So, so that, so because of that, I just, I was telling you so that the day you want to cast out demons, they, they will be thinking maybe he's cutting cake the same way he used to cut cake. Are you going to try to say? So we just say, okay, he cuts cake normally until they now see seriousness in your face. That he means it. Are you going to try to say yeah? Even the angels already got out. This one used to cut cake with Jesus. So let us maybe, you know, something. So, but, but, but it's a serious thing. I'm not saying if you want to call care with it, but I'm just saying that train yourself, practice righteousness by default. Am I communicating here? Are we together? Practice righteousness. Do righteous things by default. It will help you in your work of faith. When troubles come, it will help you. So your lips too, don't speak lie. Don't be, see, when you lie, 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 you must repent from lying. I know because some people, I, I don't understand the logic between So when you, it's better you tell, I don't know, that for you to say something. So train your lip not to lie. So that when you use the name of Jesus or you speak faith or you are in the place of prayer, accept, accept, accept to talk in the Holy Ghost so that the Holy Ghost will help you to rid you. It will rid you of some lying. Lying has brought down kings. You can go and ask Ahab. You can go and ask Ahab in the Bible. It was a lying spirit they sent to Ahab. That was the use to conquer Ahab against the mercy of God. I'm not saying lying would draw you away from God's mercy. I'm saying Ahab was enjoying God's mercy until God said, they had a meeting, he said, how can we get rid of Ahab? He said, let us send a lying spirit. Lie, lie is bad. So what I'm trying to say, he said, Draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to you. Uh, we are talking about what you experience in real life. So draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. So how do we draw nigh? That's where the focus here. Because we are talking about we want to approach God in prayers. Amen, everybody. So we want to approach God in prayers. So it means you want to draw nigh. So how do we draw nigh? Look at this. Uh, Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews 7 just to help us a little bit. Hebrews. Hallelujah. Hebrews and chapter 7. Amen. I hope you're getting your notes. Because it's good. So that you can go back to it. And also go through it. Okay. Hebrews. And chapter 7. Let us. Hebrews 7, verse 19. What does it say? It says that, 
For the Lord made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by which we draw nigh unto God. Amen. Okay. Please, just follow me. So, he said, the law of Moses makes nothing perfect, but the bringing in of another makes by which we now draw nigh to God. So, don't forget what we read earlier in James. He said, draw nigh unto me, and I will draw nigh unto you. Now, so, there is a way that men were drawing nigh and drawing close to God in the Old Testament. And he's saying that that way, he said, it makes nothing perfect. Now, I want to just re-emphasize what Jesus dedicated. Look at it, Hebrews 7. Again, because we are, we are approaching. So, I'm trying to see how I can use, you know, one bed, one stone to kill two beds through the wisdom of the Spirit. Let me even tell you this. You know, sometimes, I know some of you have always wondered, ah, ah, pastor, how do you do it? For example, and I know many people study scripture. You read Bible, read Bible. You read Genesis to Exodus, I mean, Genesis to Revelation. Read, read, read. But now, ah, now, when they say, how do you, how, how are you able to bring the thoughts of God? from Genesis to Revelation, and make it solid. I, I always wonder that. Am I communicating to us? I always wonder how you are able to bring God's message from the scriptures and make it solid. Though we know that scripture before. But how are we able to make it solid and it now becomes something to reference? It's simple. It's the wisdom of the spirit. So that's what the Bible calls, you know, uh, the spirit of wisdom. So wisdom is simply application of knowledge. So you can have so many knowledge, but to apply those knowledge is wisdom. Are you going to try to say, just to help us here, just, that's just by the way. Hebrews chapter, what did I say we should open? Hebrews chapter 7. So we are saying that we should draw nigh, but it says there's a better hope that has been established by which we can now draw nigh. Amen. Look at Hebrews and Hebrews and chapter 10. Hebrews 10. We read um, Hebrews 10 because of our time. Okay, let's start from 10. Okay, let's start from 19. 19. Oh, 18. Amen. Now, is there where there is re- where remission of sin and now where remission of this is, there is no more offering for sins. Verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Are we together, everybody? So, we now have boldness. Somebody say, I have boldness. Now, he said, we now have boldness to enter their holiest by what? By a new and living way which he has consecrated for us. Now, the word consecrated simply means dedicated. So, he said, there's a new and living way that Jesus has dedicated for us. It is through this way. Look at it. Let's keep reading. He said, by a new and a living way, which he had dedicated or consecrated for us, through the way that it to say his flesh, having and having an high priest over the house of God. Verse 22, let us read together. I want to go. Let us what? Draw nigh with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our heart sprinkled from all evil conscience and our body washed with pure water. Now, not pure water, pure water. But you know what I'm saying. Okay. No, because you know, people can take it literally, you know. I know people who sprinkle, you know, wine even in the church, you know. They'll sprinkle wine. 
because we are sprinkling the blood of Jesus. But that's, that's just by the way. Are we together, everybody? Am I communicating to us here? So he's saying this. He says that there is a dedicated way now that he has made for us. So there is a way. We saw earlier, he said, the Lord made nothing perfect. But the bringing in of a better hope, that's why we have better things, concert. And that's where it came from. So, for example, there's a better. So, we, so we talk about the book of Hebrew as a book of comparison. We compare, it declares better what Jesus brought. Are we together here? Yeah. So, he's saying this, that there is a dedicated way. There is a consecrated way now that it is dedicated for us to approach. And that is the new and living way. And that is the flesh of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. He said it is through this dedicated way that we can draw nigh. You can't draw nigh through your works. You cannot draw nigh through your works. Are you going to try to say, yeah. You, I repeat again, pride will kill you. If you think you can draw nigh by your works, is that pride that will kill you? It's not a cause. It is the way it is. There is a dedicated, consecrated way now for a man to approach the Father. And it is through the blood of Jesus. It is not through your tithe and offering. It is good to give that. That's what I understand. You have to balance that up. You see, because human being can be very carnal sometimes. Our pastor said it is not through tithe and offering. Ah, couldn't give them more. See, we will not give it again. That's not what I'm trying to say here. True, he said there is a let's go back to Nezvas. So that we can get the better picture. Nezvas says, by a new and living way. Which he has consecrated for us. The word consecrated, like I said, he dedicated. So there is a there's a way to approach God now. Every other way, okay, is jamboree. Is you're just doing your own. So you approach God through the consecrated way, through the veil, that is to say what? His flesh. By the new and living way. Next verse. What is next verse says? 21. So with this now, so with this new way, which is the blood of Jesus, so having, so in our cell, look at it, everybody, listen, 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 listen. So just to help us to complete this. So we have the consecrated way, which is a veil, is flesh torn on the cross. It is not through that cutting. It is true, it's flesh. So it's flesh. So when the Bible says, you know, so I used to tell us, you know, people say, well, when God turned the cutting, when God taught the country from up down, he's saying that we can now freely enter. It is not that cut, that cutting was torn because God was tearing that cutting to tell them that I was never here. Amen. It's just to help us to make it simple. Because uh, the Ark of Covenant that they were using cutting to cover, it has been missing since. Since he since Babylonian captivity. So, what exactly are they going to do there every year? They're every year, everybody still goes to the temple to, uh, to kill animals, to put blood. Every year. So, what exactly are they going to do? It's abomination. It's abomination. So, the, the, the curtain was torn from up to down to tell them that I was never here. So, but right there, while the curtain was tearing down, the blood that Jesus... The son of God was hung on the cross and his body was torn. The nails, the piercing was torn 
for us. And that is the veil. Look at it. Go back. Here. Look at it. It says, by a new and a living way which is conducted for us, through what? And what is the veil here? It's flesh. So it is now, because of this, we now, it now says, look at it. We have the flesh that is turned, the blood of Jesus. We now says, it did not end here. You now have what? An high priest. Next verse says, and having an high priest over the house of God. The, I used to tell you, and I'm telling it again. Some people came to me and said, you know, you are the priest. I'm not the high priest. I can never be an high priest. It is too much for me to handle. Hallelujah. If you understand the concept of high priest, you know that no, you, no, no person currently should be an, I mean, deserve or can ever be an high priest. I am not an high priest. I am just a pastor. Pastor shepherd who feed people with the word of God. Teaches and disciples people. That's what I do. Amen. I agree with people in prayers. We teach people, help people to grow spiritually and that's what I do. I am not an high priest. Hey. Hey. We are not going there. But Jesus Christ, the Bible says we never have, we don't have an high priest that is not touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So we have an high priest. Look, look at Hebrews, Hebrews 4. We'll be rounding up soon. We are still looking at prayer. So you see the concept of prayer very well. I'm saying is that pride that we kill some people? And it will not kill you in Jesus' name. See, if you have, you have to repent from being proud, that's it. It's not that easy. because it is true that we say in Jesus' name, but it is, you have to repent from being proud. Because all I'm saying, be proud here. Yeah, I'm saying that when you think that eh, you have to do the law to approach God, you are proud. Are you what I'm trying to say here? Yeah. Because why? Because there's a consecrated way now. It says, humble yourself under the mighty hand, submit yourself to God. And he said, draw nigh, submit. The way you submit yourself is by saying, God, I know I can't by my hand, by myself. I cannot. That's why the Bible says, Elisha was a man of like passion as we are. Why? He had infirmities and limitations as we are. There's no, these are no super guys. I can try to say, but they have come to submit themselves to the consecrated way. There's a consecrated way by which we draw nigh. By which we draw nigh. You know, people, I know people who consecrate, who draw nigh by their tithe, by their offerings. But how, how, how often they, you know, they do good to others. Those good works are good. Okay? Good works are good. And there is a reward for good works. But, the way we approach God is through what? The blood of Jesus. Someone say through the blood of Jesus. Yes, you have to know this. What did I say we should open now? Hebrews and chapter 4. Look at what it says. Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 says, from verse 15. It says, for Hebrews and chapter 4 from verse 15. Look at that. Look at that. See, if you can understand this mystery, let me tell you this. When we talk about mystery in the kingdom, mystery now in the kingdom is not something that cannot be understood. Mystery by definition means something that is hidden. But in the kingdom, the Bible says the mystery that has been hidden from ages is now revealed, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now, in Christ Jesus now, mysteries are things that we know now, things that are revealed. But the more we know them, the more we will desire to keep knowing them. That's why it's a mystery now. Are you trying to say, I'm a tongue, as in, we, we cannot, we, we can, there's no hand to knowing it. 
and it's not as if the one you have known, okay, it's not as if it's a bad knowing. If I, it's a complete knowing. But even in the complete knowing, there is a need to know more. <laughs> See, God is big. Hallelujah. God is big. The, the things of the kingdom. That's why, when, even when you are reading about the blood of Jesus, that's why I'm saying, you that you have read John 3, 16 before, and now, we are now quoting John 3, 16. John 3, 16. I know it now. Oh, proud. We say John 3, 16. I know it. I know it. I used to quote it. See, when you see John 3, 16, though you have known it, you go with excitement again. Yes, Father. You want to know, you want to know him more. Because in the only a minimum, the Spirit of God will help you into it. Are you going to say, you don't just keep it at surface value. You, as you are seeing it, you are seeing it again. Are you going to say, yeah, every time is like honey. You keep hitting, you keep going deeper. Are you going to try and say, 2 Corinthians 5, 16, you have known it before, but as you are opening it, the day you feel, you know, some of you, some, of you, some people say, well, you know, some people say, I, I used to be, I used to give me Sunday school. So because they used to give me Sunday school, don't worry, I don't need it. I remember somebody told me, I met somebody on this street once. She said, she came to me, she said, ah, I, I, she's she just some random, she, know, she doesn't know me. She said, I like what you're doing. When, when I was in when I was in, you know, university, I was, eh, this is the prayer coordinator. So I understand where you are. I, I, I told him, I said, I told her, I said, which year was that? It was just four years ago. I said, I said, I was a pastor of a campus church 15 years ago. Before you ever stepped out, before you came out, finished from secondary school. I, before, before they were given back to you, I told, I told her, I said, it's a shame on you. I told her, it's a big shame on you. She could not even know. It's a big shame on you. You you said you were once for the Lord, and you are no more desire and passionate for the Lord. It's a shame on you, sister. I told her, it's a shame. And in, in this sister, is all this one, no? Without hearing, go. But now, you know, we, you know, we have done it before. We have done it, you know, we have prayed before. You have prayed, you are vastly dead. If you say you have prayed before, and that's the problem of them now, these days. They were, you know, I know Bible, you know, I'm a pastor child, you know, some people, are, that's where some people are, I used to be around the Bible study something, so I don't need Bible again. John 3 16, I know it already. It's pride, and that pride is what we kill you. John 3 16, you open it, read it again. I hear I'm trying to say, yeah, why do you think, someone say, ah, why are you reading this thing again? After some time, I remember the protocol, some years ago, did they do? Is it do now? One of these guys that was doing protocol then, that used to take pictures, innocent. He came to carry me, they came to take me for protocol. They said, Pastor, I said, I'm not yet done. I said, I said, I've started, I was preparing for service seven hours. He said, ah, Pastor, but why? I thought you know these things before now. Hey, hey. Ah, Lord, help us. <laughs> Amen. Hey, the Lord is good. He said, you think, he's not like a, I, I don't know. It's not like two plus two, one. Even if you think, it's not like you know it before. It, this is, you are bringing God to men. So you are bringing mystery to men. Things that will deliver men. Things that will bring men out of shackles. And you want to, you want to just wake up and just go. It doesn't work like that. What did we stop now? He says so. Look at this. Hebrews 4. Yeah, Hebrews 4. Quickly. For where? He said, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was at all point tempted as we are, yet without sin. So let us therefore come boldly. You understand that? I, I don't know. If you understand what this means, eh? if you understand what this means, you'll be praying 
From anywhere you go, you are just praying. You know what? See, let me say this to you. Um, my dad. Let me use my dad as an example. My dad was a was a principal of a secondary school, and he was a very you know he used to flog people. He was was a principal. Now before he became a permanent secretary, he was doing all those things. Everybody knows him as tough. And and when I you know I went to his school one of these you know I remember those days I went to his school and I saw how everybody principal principal look at. As his daddy, his daddy, that everybody is seeing principal and they are running. You know, he's somebody I know that even when I, when he gets home and he wants to eat and he serves, we know that, you know, till today, I don't know because it's been like almost 10 years that I left home. Till today, I want to believe that if he's eating, I can approach his table and pick meat while he's eating. The, the worst he can say is that, leave my food. Go and eat your own. That's what he does. All of us goes to, we all of us go to take his meat. Why is it? Why? But because I'm his child. I, I, as that's my daddy. Are you going to try to say, yeah, we, we relate. So, but when I went to school, I saw people running around and they're afraid because, so he's saying this. We are talking about leg. So he's like saying, see, look at it. He's saying that there is a high priest over the house. He's the same high priest that tore his blood for you. So now he's just saying this high priest was at all point tempted like we are. Yet without sin. So he knows our infirmity. So he's not the high priest that will kill you from approaching. Though he knows your weakness. Are you going to try to say yeah? So that's why when you come boldly to the throne of grace, the only thing you will receive there, you will obtain what? Mercy. Look at it. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may what? Obtain judgment. No. Mercy. Why? Because it is the high priest. The one who died for you, that is the high priest. He's the one that will judge you. That's why the Bible says, he said, who will judge you? Who will judge you? The person that will judge you is the one who died for you. I bet recently, this is leg. I am trying to say, it's his leg. So, you are now saying that you cannot approach because of your weakness. You, you are feeling that you cannot approach because of your errors, of your mistake. Uh-uh. That's what I'm saying. That is pride. Because there's a consecrated way now. The consecrated way is the blood of Jesus, the veil that is torn, and the high priest over the house. And that's why we cannot approach. Are you going to try to say now? That's why we cannot approach with full assurance. Look at it. He said, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Is it your family? You pray. Are you going to try to say here? Nothing should hold you back. Nothing, nothing should hold you back. Say, you know, you don't know <laughs> the mistake. Don't worry. That mistake you feel you have mistake. You thought you have mistakes, yeah? Just come. When you come boldly, he says, see, look at what he says there. He said, let us therefore come boldly. You know what it means to come boldly? You know what it means? It means you are bold, yes. It means you want to pray. You want to pray, you go on your knees with boldness. Having a foolish, look at it. Let's go there. Hebrews 10. Are you following me, everybody here? To see, see, prayer is the mitochondria. Is the powerhouse of a believer. There is nothing. Nothing should hold you back from praying. Nothing. Are you a fine girl? Nothing should hold you back from praying. Are you a big boy? Nothing you. In fact, that's where you prove your big boy is in. I get what I'm trying to say here. That's where you prove your fine girl is in. Are you a married woman? That's what you do. Are you a married man? That's what you do. You pray. 
How you gonna try to say here? You just pray, just pray, Esther. Just pray. You approach in the name of Jesus. There is no principle that uh, this people are the spiritual gym gym. This people, no, you are a gym gym too. Are you trying to say here? Say I'm a gym gym. Sorry, forgive me. Forgive me if you don't understand what I'm trying to say. You are also a prayer warrior. You are a powerhouse. You are a powerhouse. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Make power to be available. And let me tell you, that's why I started by saying revival is not only opening of eyes. Okay? Revival also means what the Spirit of God will do in you to produce good works. So, revival, for example, when you begin to walk in righteousness, that's a revival. Are you trying to say yeah? When when your life is you are producing good fruit, people before you just you are toxic to everybody around you. Before Jesus is not toxic. Amen. I repeat, Jesus say this, say this, say Jesus is not toxic. If you are if you've been toxic to people around you, the day you 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 know you go into that prayer ministry and begin to pray, you begin to set yourself ablaze in the Lord. You begin to supply life, not toxic. You don't become toxic. Believers are not toxic. See, Jesus is likable. Are you gonna try to say, see, Jesus, Jesus? If you read the Bible, you will see that Jesus is a likable person. Children want to come to him. If Jesus is so likable that he's so likable that prostitutes, a prostitute ran to him. Are you gonna try to say, yeah, a prostitute? Are you? Yeah, let me ask you, 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 you. Let me ask. Can a prostitute run to you to say, ah, uh, I need life from you? Some of you, you know, some of you, you know, some people don't, don't know some of you, you know, yeah. I want to, I want to believe it's not. Maybe visitors or anybody that's hearing me from home. You, you, you life you give prostitutes is a different thing than giving prostitutes. I said, you're giving prostitutes a different thing. Jesus, prostitute came to Jesus to receive life. But you, you got the prostitute to supply something else. <laughs> are you going to try to say, yeah? <laughs> you repent. You are not, the, you, I'm telling you, yeah, because see, we are not, you are not the, you are not doing the believer's thing. Just on righteousness. Are you going to try to say, yeah? Praise, are we together, yeah? We are saying that Jesus is not toxic. Anyone, anyone who touches Jesus receives healing. Children, religious people were coming to Jesus. They came, they said, the disciple of Jesus, they came to him, they said, why is your master drinking with these people? Your master is always with bad, bad people. Jesus said, uh-uh. He's a, he's a physician. He's a, he only the sick needs physician. He's such, Jesus is a likable person. Somebody, he was so likable that somebody had to climb tree. To see him. You know, you have to say, you are spiritual, your spirituality. So. Bless you. People don't, people don't even see you outside. Even you lock your, you go inside, lock your seven door, you say, well, pray fast and pray fast. You just come out once in a while. Hello. It doesn't work. You are not doing Christianity. You are not doing Christianity. Oh, God I'm saying that you are a Christian, you must supply life. Are you what I'm trying to say? Instrumentality of prayer. There is connection with people. How can people enjoy the life from you when you are, you are isolated? You are not John the Baptist now. Nah? Are you what I'm trying to say here? Yeah. You're not John the Baptist. You are eating only honey and also eating uh, locusts and grasshopper. That's your style. You don't like grasshopper. People, if you are, if I'm eating grasshopper, you won't want to, we won't want to, you want to come to see I'll round it up now. Hebrews, let's round up with this. Hebrews 10. This is just to help some of us. Christianity or boring is not boring. 
Christianity is not boring. It is the life of God. Jesus Christ. He was such 33 years old boy. Jesus Christ was 33. I'm telling you, 33 years old. 33 years old. Among Jesus' disciples. Because in the Jewish culture. No. They were even younger. Only two of them were older. Only Peter. Only two of them. In the culture, in the Jewish culture, when you become a rabbi, because they call Jesus rabbi, a rabbi will teach a group of people. And the people that rabbis are teaching are younger, more often younger. And they are, Jesus' disciples were 17, between 17 to 25. All of them. 17, uh, what's the name of this guy? Timothy. I told us in the Bible. Timothy was about 18 when he was a bishop in Corinthians. And you, you have even, hey, are you going to say You are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. Paul, Paul, Paul met Timothy's grandmother. And also his mother. Timothy, how you know that? You are even 20 something. 28, 29, 37. <laughs> what is it? Are you trying to say yeah? And he said, Well, I know. I thought God will use you. Supply life. Kole, kole. Okay, Hebrews 10. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hebrews 10. Is it Hebrews 10 that we stop? Okay, Hebrews 10. So we must pray. Somebody say we must pray. pray. Hebrews 10. We're reading verse 21. He says this. He says, And having an high priest over the house, let us therefore, let us what? Draw nigh with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our body with pure water. That's why I want to stop here. Prayer is important. The Bible says Elisha prayed earnestly. You know, if you know how Elisha prayed earnestly in 1 Kings chapter 18, you know, some of you, let me say, Elisha prayed, Abi. The Bible says in James, yeah, Elijah prayed that there should be no rain. There was no rain. He prayed again that there be rain, and it rained. But when you go back to read the account of how Elisha prayed, you, it's not, Elijah did not pray, Father, I thank you. You are worthy to be praised. And I pray now that let there be rain. You know, for, for example, some people say, well, I like, some people say, I like Pastor E.A. Adeboye's kind of prayer. <laughs> hey. You just say, Father, I thank you. you are here. See, see. What you are seeing on stage. See, this, what you are seeing. <laughs> What you are seeing on stage is all what is happening. The man said he can count how many times he's eating in a year. He said the person that will take over from him, okay, he said he pity the person. Because he can count how many times he eats in a year. He said the person will do more. A man, somebody who will go in for 60 days fasting and prayer. Now, I, I'm not saying, except you have a special assignment, Okay. But you must cultivate a prayer life. Are you what I'm trying to say here? Cultivate a prayer life that you're praying every day. Kenneth Hagin, for example, Kenneth Hagin said he never fasted more than three days in his life. But he lived a prayer, a praying life. He lived a fasting life. But this is the point where I'm trying to say, learn to pray. Anytime you're backsliding, it's because you're not praying. Are you what I'm trying to say? It's okay you're not praying. Just pray. Oh, Buru, pray. It's bad. Pray. Look at your neighbor and say your neighbor. Pray, 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 pray. pray, 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 pray. Hallelujah. 
Don't forget, what do we do? We come what? Boldly. Hallelujah. What do we do again? We come what? Boldly. With full assurance. Knowing who is there for us. That the person that is there for us is not against us. But he's for us. He's our high priest. He's the same person who died for us. He's also the same person who is our high priest. Just imagine your dad is the president. You can't envy you. You can't. There's nothing you can do. Your dad is the president. And you are going to give a contract. And you have done your job well. And you are presenting a contract. You pass now. I'm trying to say here. There is leg everywhere. See, in the kingdom there is leg. Forget about all these things. In the kingdom there is runs. Okay? When I mean runs, I'm talking these things. They're legit runs. In the sense that we approach the Father through the blood. Hallelujah. Bow your heads and talk to God. Talk to God. Thank God. Thank God for the word. 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 Don't forget, we come boldly. We come boldly. Talk to God. Say, Father, I thank you for access. Thank him for access. Freely. Freely you have received. That's what the Bible says. Freely you have received. Freely you have received. Freely you have received. Say, Father, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.